If you know anything about us entrepreneurs, it's that we're never satisfied. We always want to do more and try more and build more. And my guest today has done that so many times that Trent's made it to the Inc. 5000 list multiple times, which I have not yet. And I'm kind of jealous of that. Helping business owners in growth mode go farther, faster. This is Entree Grow. Trent Deersman, welcome to the Entree Grow podcast. How are you today? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for being had, which doesn't sound quite right. But anyway, uh, and I appreciate you being our guinea pig in the new format uh, and the new technology that we're using to do this because, uh, you know, entrepreneurs like to try new things all the time, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the purple I got behind me, I've got a whole new, I've got a bunch of new toys here for my show as well. I've got the stream deck. I've got the Ecamm software. I've got the, uh, the road podcaster thing. I've recently changed up how I do my own. And I'm a gadget geek, probably just like you. So I completely understand the need to, to innovate. Yeah. Nerding out a little bit, we discovered that we could do things. So for those of you who have podcasts, this is either going to be a train wreck technologically or it's going to be amazing. <laughs> Um, but we decided to incorporate our StreamYard, which we use for live stuff. And let's just record our podcast this way because we can add all the production to it and it's done in one shot. Now, theoretically, this is going to work great. Like I said, it could be a complete disaster. Who knows? So it's actually, I've, I've just done the same thing uh, for whatever it's worth. And it works beautifully. Like I used to do, I record, hey, thanks for being on the show. And then I do everything in post-production. Now I've got the buttons over here and I literally just like you did, I welcome the guest on and I say, hey, welcome to the show. And I hit that button. It does the intro sound. And then I do my this and I run an ad by hitting another button. And then it so it, it probably will work very well. Well, we're going to see. So, Trent, uh, let me let me first back up and explain to the audience how we got to talk to one another, because how we got to talk to one another was not remarkable, but it was out of need. Okay. We we have in the entrepreneurial world, you know, there's us creative people like me who have no core foundational elements of scale. We are humanly unscalable, right? Because all we do is generate ideas and then we drop them in other people's laps. And so that's the way I work, which means that I have no um, operating procedures. I have no like thoughts of, oh, I'm going to create this and we're going to do it this way. And this is going to become this huge, massive business. No, I just have an idea and I start and it becomes a mess. And eventually somebody has to untangle the mess I make. <laughs> so how's that for a setup? Boy, I feel like I'm having a therapy session here, Trent. But, but we discovered your business and uh, one of the companies that you've founded. And mm -hmm. because we needed something called SOPs or standard operating procedures. And if you ever tried to climb into the brain of someone who is wired like me, ADD, entrepreneurial, you'd know it's very hard to get what those procedures look like out of me because mm -hmm. I can't tell you. I, I just know the things that I have to do to make things happen or I hand it off to someone on my team and they figure out how to make it happen but having standard operating procedures is super valuable. And so one day we're snooping around the internet and Megan, our director of creative services, discovers this thing called Flowster. And it's, a, it's an app that helps us build our standard operating procedures. 
our SOPs and our flows, our workflows. And like, it's not just record the podcast, edit the podcast, publish the podcast, because those are just three steps. But inside of that, there are multiple things that have to occur in order for those three things to be executed flawlessly. Yep. Before we get into the other businesses that you've started, tell me how you came up with this concept and how it's working for everybody. Because like I was blown away when I saw the demo of it and then we started using it. And so tell me about the genesis of this and how you started Flowster. So I wish I could say that I had a, uh, you know, I sat down and I did market research and I identified a need and uh, none of that happened. Um, I create, so I started off in 2016 launching an Amazon reseller business as a result of an interviewing a guy on my show. I thought that that's a cool business. I want to get into that. And the results came very, very quickly. We went from zero to a hundred grand a month in revenue within five months. We did over a million in the first year. And now those Inc. 5,000 uh, pictures you see on the wall are the, the outcome of that. And so I, but, but I did something very, very different than everybody else who'd taken this guy's training course. And most people who start a business rather than grabbing my shovel and starting to dig ditches, metaphorically speaking, I instead decided to create a system for digging ditches because I didn't ever want to dig the ditches myself. Okay. So I, I, I took my computer monitor and I, I've got a 27 inch monitor and on one half. I've got a browser where I'm like doing the thing, digging the ditch. And then on the right hand side, I was documenting the process of digging the ditch. Cause I thought this is really boring. I don't ever want to do this. Ditch okay. Digging. Wait a second. Did you just tell me that you're a nerd? Is that what it is? Totally. Okay. Yes. See, so, so that's, you and I are, are very similar in that sense. We're both nerds, but you're a very organized functional nerd. I <laughs> am not. Continue. So within a, a sh very short period of time, I had created checklists basically for all of the things step by step by step by step that needed to happen to do the product research and to analyze the product's potential profitability and then to find out what company made those products and then who at that company would be the right person for us to talk to and then what was their email address and and all of that is very laborious so i gave a talk on this recently and i actually did the math so for for a typical product you're looking about 13 minutes of research. By the time you find a product, do everything that I just said you do, get the contact information, blah, 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 like 13 minutes. So it, the, the business model that I had was the more opportunities, the more products that we found and sent an email to the manufacturer, the higher the probability that we would establish a wholesale account, be able to buy the product and add it to our product portfolio. Right. And the more products you have in your product portfolio, the more your revenue grows. So really it was very simple. Send more email equals more revenue because sending more emails gave me more opportunities to talk to the brands, which gave me more opportunities to convince them to work with us, which gave me more products in my portfolio, which gave me more revenue. Makes sense. Where people struggled was sending more emails because they were there doing the 13 minutes it took for every email that you needed to send. And I want to send 300 emails a week. Well, that's hours and hours and hours of I, time. If, I, if memory serves me correctly, it's like 65 hours of labor. I think if you take 13 minutes times 300, it's 65 hours a week. Well, I don't even work 65 hours a week. And, and this is mind-numbingly boring, repetitive stuff. 
that I also really shouldn't be doing because it was going to be really easy for me to get someone in the Philippines to do this for $3.50 per hour. And if I'm doing work that someone could do for $3.50 per hour, where have I just valued my time? Right. Now, I want to just stop you right there for a moment because you said something that was critical, but I want to make sure that people understand the context of this trend. When you're talking about hiring someone in the Philippines and paying them $350 an hour, you might hear people talk about hiring VAs or outsourced labor in other countries like Trenches did that are $350 to $5 an hour and think, oh my God, how that's that I can't pay someone that. That's ridiculous. They're not going to survive. You have to understand livable wage in the United States is very different than livable wage in other parts of the world. So Many entrepreneurs, myself included, have assistants and people working in other countries doing things that are time consuming, but not really a valuable use of our time. Mm-hmm. And I would much rather pay a, a VA $350 or $5 an hour, depending on where they are, to do those tasks. So I want to make sure that people understand the context of that, not thinking that as entrepreneurs, we're terrible humans and underpay people because no. Yeah. Many of them are actually making really good money doing the things that we need done for our businesses. So context given, continue, please. Yeah, we're not a sweatshop. I've had VAs working for me for eight or nine years, the same ones. They don't hang around that long if they feel they're being taken advantage of because there's so many opportunities for them to go and work for other people. So fair market wages, you have to pay fair market wages. It just happens to be that, you know, I can get someone. I also hire in Mexico. Uh, I can get someone in Mexico for six or eight dollars an hour. That is a uh, that's a quarter of what I'd have to pay an American with the same education, same college education, right? Same fluency in, in English spoken and written. The only difference is they live in Mexico City versus Chicago, right? Massive difference. Correct. So um, we've gone so many down so many rabbit holes now. I even forget the the the, the question that you asked me, but. I think what it was, the Genesis, the Genesis of Flowster was the question. Thank you. Thank you. That's okay. It's really rare that I'm able to keep the conversation straight. So, so we go on and we have a a large amount of success. And the guy that I interviewed on my show, you know, to start all this off, his name's Dan, he gets wind of how much we've accomplished. And he, and he's like, how the hell did you do that? Like, how'd you get such a great result? And I, explain what I did. And he goes, wow, that's brilliant. Do you, do you want to come to my next conference and talk to the audience about that? And I said, yeah, sure. And I had no software company at the time. Flowster did not exist. It wasn't even an idea in my head, nothing. I was literally focused on scaling the hell out of my Amazon reseller business because I was going to build a hundred million dollar company. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. And so I get on stage and thanks to my podcast and my YouTube channel, most of the people in the audience, they knew who I was. And I, I got up and I said, Hey everybody, um, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. I, I don't have anything for sale. This is not a veiled pitch of any kind. I'm simply going to explain to you how I achieved this result. So like, get ready, take good notes. Cause here we go. So I proceeded to fire hose them with a ridiculous amount of detail over the next hour. And unless they recorded the entire thing, and even then it would be difficult for them to replicate it because of the sheer, you know, I was explaining in an hour what it took me months to build. Right. So at the, much to my surprise, at the end of the, the talk, a lot of folks approached me and they said, could we 
can we buy a copy of those standard operating procedures? Cause like you nailed it, man, I need that, but I don't, I don't want to spend a year like you did making them. Can I just, right. can I just buy a copy of yours? And, and I was like, um, I, uh, I guess we could probably do that. So I spoke to Dan and I said, look, I'll, I'll make a copy of my procedures. If you want to be an affiliate and tell your audience about it and we can both see if we can make some money or not. And he said, yeah, sure. Let's do that. So we looked at the size of his customer base and I assumed that, well, if a quarter of his customers bought my stuff, we would do in a, in a, like a one week product launch, maybe we would do a quarter million in revenue. Well, turns out we did over $400,000 in revenue in that first week. So that was a big shocker because- So you would call that mildly successful? Yeah, yeah, it was. And now we've sold millions and millions of dollars worth of these things. And so I figured out by accident that there was a huge demand for pre-made workflows that are specific to an industry niche. Correct. So now after that week of $400,000 light bulb went on, I thought, okay, I need a software company now because I know this content sells. I just need a place to put it because we were putting when, when it was ourselves we used a competitor's software app and I'm like, well, why would I feed them? all these customers when the really valuable thing here in the long term from for me is the software company. So it, it wasn't a genius moment. It was obvious to me that I needed to start a software company. And so we did. And um, and that's how Flowster got created. Now, it's it's interesting as I sit back and listen to the story of how it got created, it was created out of necessity, right? You needed mm-hmm. this to do something for you that would free up time. For a guy like me, and I know that there are lots of, and I always classify myself, I'm not a true entrepreneur. So Trent, let me explain. You're like a fake entrepreneur? <laughs> I, I'm an artist with entrepreneurial tendencies. Got it. I, I discovered that about myself at Tony Robbins Business Mastery a few years back. Yep. I am not a purebred entrepreneur. Purebred entrepreneur is all risk and reward. I am, I'll dip my toe in risk. Um, but there's a certain amount of risk tolerance that I have, whereas most entrepreneurs are fully risk risk tolerant. I'm a little risk averse. So I'm an artist with entrepreneurial tendencies. I mean, my God, look at the set behind me. I've got a zombie in a face mask because of COVID. Yep. And it stops him from biting people. Um, but guys like me and many entrepreneurs are like me are not process minded. Mm-hmm. And you are. And that's mm-hmm. where I think your strength comes into building this product, this app, Flowster. And what what really caught my attention was that in the pre-made stuff you have, and by the way, this is not a sales pitch for Flowster. If you guys want to check out Flowster, check it out. It's an amazing app. We use it. It it takes the noise that's up here about the steps that I need to do to get something done but it breaks it down into the micro steps. And Mm -hmm. that is really critical because I can barf out a bunch of information to my team, but at the same time, they still don't have the context of what are the steps to get from point A to point B to point C, because inside those steps are these little, I call them micro moments, micro steps, where, and it's very critical that you don't miss those micro steps. So Flowster really kind of changed my thinking about, oh, wow, I don't need to try to articulate this to someone. It's already here. Mm-hmm. How, how do you come up with the process and the little micro steps because they're really accurate? How do you do that? We do it in two ways. Initially, um, 
as you, if you think back at the story I told, I'd created all these processes for my own company and I was actively employing both us and foreign workers to do the work. Cause I stopped working in that company within the first 12 months of launching it. It just didn't work mm-hmm. there anymore. Right. So I had to be able to have all the documentation so that other people could do all the things. So in our Flowster marketplace and in this product that I've been selling for the last couple of years called the wholesale e-commerce business system, which is a, a playbook for people who want to run an Amazon reseller business. Um, it was pretty easy because I had it all. I'd already built it. But going forward, I realized that I couldn't develop content in areas where I didn't have hands-on experience and I didn't have that expertise. So we created our content partner program. And so the content partner program basically is is super simple. I say to someone who's an expert in whatever, I say, look, do you you have documented processes for this thing you do? Let's let's say like the the latest content content partner, uh, this guy named Steve Pope, he, uh, he runs an Amazon brand management agency. And so he had an even, he had a bunch of content that was specific to that business. And I said, well, I want to put that in my Amazon seller playbook. And I said, so if you will flowsterize the content, we'll put your company's contact info as the last step in each of the checklists. And in doing so, all of that content that is now living in my app and that we're actively running ad campaigns, driving eyeballs to it. Well, it's also an indirect lead generator for you. Correct. Because some people who are going to come sign up, they're going to use my software. They're going to look at these content, the content, the workflows, and go, this is great, but it's more work than I have time to do. So I need to delegate this to somebody. Hey, this guy named Steve made this one. Maybe I'll just call Steve because there's his phone number right there. (laughs) So Steve was instantly, yeah, that's a great idea. And so now I've been forming these content partnerships with other folks. Trent, that's what you said was really valuable there. And and I'll give you a very uh, a variant on that context. Something that Gary Vaynerchuk told me several years ago at dinner was that you can share with, with the world your entire process. You can show everyone the entire process and they have the best of intent to do and follow that process exactly as you laid out, but only a very small percentage will actually take action and do it. The rest yep. are gonna lean into people who can do it for them. And that's Correct. exactly what this is. And so, and that's what I did because first of all, someone on my team brought Flowster to me and I'm like, great, what is this thing? It's very noisy to me, right? I look at things and I go, oh my God, there's a lot of data here. What does this mean? Yeah. But when you, when you collapse it down, it's just like a hamburger, right? The hamburger has layers and yeah. it's got the meat, it's got the veggie, it's got the cheese, it's got the ketchup, right? It's just layers. But to make a hamburger, there are steps. And Flowster yep. helps break down each one of those individual steps, which I thought was super cool because it's almost like you got in my head and you could mind read, which was absolutely remarkable because there's only two people in the world who can do that. And now you're the third. It's funny that you use the hamburger metaphor because I oftentimes when I'm explaining Flowster, I just use the recipe book. I'm like, it's a recipe book. You know, like if you want to bake a chocolate cake, you go in and then there's the directions, you know, put the flour in and put the oil in and put the egg in and put the sugar in and put the butter in. It tells you how much of each one of those things and what order to put it in. That's all the workflow is. Right. Is it just describes a business process in enough detail that you don't have to ask anybody to explain to you how to do it. And if you consider the ramifications of that from a hiring and scaling perspective, they are significant because number one, uh, now I don't, I don't hire all my entire team across all my companies is remote. Like literally I sit here in this room by myself, which is the way I like it, to be honest with you. And there's 
like all the people that work for me, I've never met hardly any of them. And the reason they're able to do their jobs so well is because we have a culture of everything is process driven. Right. So now when I want to hire somebody new, like I, I literally just hired a new project manager to take over the management of the Bread Ideas podcast because we're firing my wife from that role. She's, you know, with between homeschooling and COVID and Floster, she's got other stuff she needs to do. We have all the processes for podcast production and promotion and everything. So how much time do we have to spend investing in training? A lot less right. than if we didn't have those processes. And so how much I, confidence do I have that, that, that Carla will execute just as well as my wife? Really high, even though she has no experience being a podcast production manager, because we have these super detailed processes that allow her, that, that guide her to the finish line. All right. So let's get personal here. I just heard you say something that really spoke to my heart. And by the way, coincidental that I'm wearing the heart shirt today. It's all heart zombies. So, but it was, um, you fired your wife. Yeah. How did, how did did that go for you? And, and how has the marriage been since that day? Oh, it doesn't adversely affect us at all. She was overworked, stretched too thin, stressed. Then COVID happened. Then homeschooling happened. And, you know, it's, she's relieved. Um, so no, it's not, it was a mutual decision. We, we, we liberated her from some tasks. That's not really, that's a better way of describing it than we fired her. Well, Trent, I'm going to, I'm going to have a moment of confession here. And, and some people who've read my book know the story. Uh, other people who follow me know it, but not everybody knows it. Um, there was a very public firing of my wife and it was, she, when, when, when my business, when ad zombies first started, we needed some, um, basically some support on the back end of accounting and making sure that all the payments and stuff were processed properly. And, and so my wife said, Oh, I'll volunteer. I've got time to do it. Oh boy. That was a mistake because mm-hmm. we have five kids now back oh, when this started, right? So back when this started, we had one starting college or about to start college, mm-hmm. but the other four were in high school, grade school, and yeah, grade school. And it quickly became a very overwhelming thing for her. And one day my uh, business partner who has built uh, successful businesses in, in other areas said, you know, we really need to get your wife out of this before your marriage implodes. And because it was very stressful, right? You're trying to manage family and and balancing the family life and and the business. And then your conversations seem to just wrap up around the business all the time and you never stop talking about business and soon the marriage becomes very boring. And we, I had this very, I shared this story once where I was sitting in the office with her and we just started sobbing because the workload was so heavy and there was like, we were parallel partners. And so firing her at the time, she, she felt it was terrible, but now whenever we meet people at, at cocktail parties, again, before COVID, uh, everything is BC that I'm talking about. Um, when we meet at cocktail parties and da-da-da, she's very proud. Oh yeah, my husband fired me. It was the best thing ever. And so I was just wondering if, if that same experience happened, but it sounds like it might be slightly different for her. Yeah, no, it was not, uh, it was not trouble for the marriage at all. It was good for the marriage. So before Flowster, now, as I, as I opened up the podcast, we, I, I mentioned that most entrepreneurs are never satisfied. And if you've watched Hamilton, you're like me. You're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I quoted Hamilton, but you've seen the show, right? Uh, I have not, actually. You have, 
are you living in Boise, Idaho or something? Right. Yeah, I, okay. I, I have the cultural depth of a Petri dish. You've got to get on Disney Plus and watch it. Okay, it's remarkable. Great show. So anyway, there is a there is a song. And in that song, the Hamilton says, you're like me, you're never satisfied. And a lot of entrepreneurs are never satisfied. So they're always starting new things. They're always building new things. Take me back a little bit and share with us some of the things that you've built over the last several years and and what they look like when you exited them as well. It's not, it's not really, I mean, the last four years, it's really been three companies. It's been the bread ideas entity. Mm -hmm. It's been the, the Amazon reseller business and now it's been Floster. Um, and we are getting ready. Uh, we're in the process right now of potentially divesting of the Amazon reseller business because I don't need it anymore. Um, it used to be, I kept it because one, well, it made money. And two, because it was my lab, it was my laboratory for making sure all of my processes were current and accurate. But thanks to the content partner programs, I, I don't need that anymore. And this is actually the first time I've ever said that publicly. So I don't know where this thing airs, but uh, it may or may not get sold. We'll see. Right. Um, and but so I really haven't exited anything in the last couple of years uh, as a result of you know what I'm doing. I just have worked really, really diligently on trying like my big thing is trying to bootstrap Floster to $10 million in, in annual revenue without raising a dime or investors. Because if I can do that, um, you know, obviously our, our net worth will be very, very high, higher than I need. And I won't, I'll have control over my company and I can run it however I see fit. And if we want to get to 10 million and go, nah, that's good enough. I'll sell there. I have the option right. to do that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a board or shareholders that are, that I'm beholden to. And then you can move to a warmer climate. Yeah. Well, actually we're, <laughs> uh, we're in the midst of considering uh, this Saturday, I'm headed back. So I'm Canadian and I'm, uh, we're going back up to Canada for a month um, because we're considering moving back. Because it's warmer in Canada. Mm. <laughs> no, I love the warmth. Don't get me wrong. I just don't, uh, I'm not a fan of what's been going on politically in the U S with all the hate. And I get violence it. and divisiveness. And I don't think that's going to just because the person in office is changing. I like to think maybe that'll die that damp, damp that stuff down. But between disinformation on social media and right wing media and, and, and so forth, uh, I don't, I don't think that's going to die down. I think it's going to get worse actually. Well, I may have to seek political asylum at some point. And if that happens, I've got yeah. plenty of Canadian friends, friends in New Zealand, Australia. So I've got some safety nets, but yeah. We don't get into the politics here because, it, man, it is so divisive. And you're right. It's just I don't see it ending anytime soon. Trent, before you started your businesses, tell me about the best job you ever had. And but more than that, I want to know about the worst job you ever had and what made it terrible. <laughs> so the best job that I ever had. And that's not why I'm laughing. I'm laughing about the worst job because I, I, I would love to name the company, but I won't. I won't. Okay. Um, the best job I had was my last job before I started my career as an entrepreneur. Okay. I was a financial advisor for uh, what became Merrill Lynch up in Canada. And here I was, this 25-year-old kid, and that was 25 years ago because I'm 50 now, um, making $200,000 a year. Um doing what, what I thought was pretty easy work. And 
that was great. I didn't know how good I had it back then, to be honest with you. And despite that, <clears throat> I still had a burning desire to become an entrepreneur. And I ultimately quit that job and for went for, you know, gave up that, that nice wage and buried myself in debt to start my first company. Because that's the smart way to start a business. Never. Never. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's a whole nother podcast episode. So the worst job I've ever had. So in 20 spring of 2016, yeah, 2016. So we've been running an agency for four years. We had one really big client. Life was pretty easy. The client gave us notice that they weren't going to renew their contract. I was kind of done with being in the professional services space Mm -hmm. at a two year old daughter. And I looked at my wife and I go, you know what? I'm going to get me a sales job at a big software company and just go into Cushville for a while. Yeah. I'm going to make a couple hundred grand a year. No stress, no net. So I got a job at this software company. Everyone knows the name. It's a multi-billion dollar company. And uh, it was a gong show. It's a cold call factory. And I don't do cold calls, not anymore. And the guy who hired me two months after I got hired, and he was great. Two months after I got hired, they hired this other guy from eBay. And this guy didn't know one end of his ass from the other. And I did my intro call with him. And I looked to my wife and I said, I'm effed. Because (laughs) he and I did not, from the second we talked to each other, the very first conversation, we had radically different views on how to go forward. And over the next couple of months, um, I kept badgering him. You're doing, I basically said, you're doing your job wrong which I'm sure he loved hearing. Um, and so uh, after six months while at quota, he fired me. Wow. You really, had, in, you really had to dislike each other to have, you're at quota and you get fired. Yeah. I went into my garage and I had a temper tantrum because <laughs> it wasn't about losing the job as much as it was damage to my ego. I mean, like I'm a CEO, man. How, and you're just a minion, but you fired me. And best thing ever though, because... Shortly after that, I discovered the whole Amazon reseller business. And now, I mean, the the last few years, my net worth has just gone up because I bought real estate and I created a software company and we made all this money. None of that would happen if I kept working at that shitty software company. You know, sometimes getting fired, Trent, is one of the best things that can happen to someone. And, you know, I have a friend right now. Again, much like that big software company, I won't say his name. Uh, I have a friend right now that I have for years wished that his company would fire him because I know that he would be amazing on his own. Yeah. And he's just afraid to leap out of that comfort zone of, you know, the cushy $200,000 a year plus bonus salary to take that leap of faith. But I know that he would absolutely crush it if he went outside of his comfort zone. And it's hard for people, you know, again, you've got to be fully, you've got to be risk avert, risk tolerant. And, and that risk averse versus risk tolerant balance has to, has to lean a little bit more towards the tolerant to be able to make that decision. Yeah. And it's yeah, hard. We, we, we live wired in a society that, way. that conditions us. You got to go to college, bury yourself in debt. Then you got to get a job to pay off the debt. And then as you're doing that you get married, you get a mortgage, you get kids. It's over, buddy. 
Like yeah. you're in the rat race and you're going to be there. And if you're like 99% of the people walking on earth, you're going to be there till the day you die. It's now, that. Trent, you didn't ask me, but I'm going to share something about my worst job ever, because I feel like this is a good place for me to share this with the audience. <laughs> and true. because not everybody knows this. So in high school, I went on an exchange program and I went on this exchange program because more than anything to just to get away from my family, because they're all fucking crazy. And, <laughs> and so I left New York and I went to Israel for high school and I went to an agricultural school. It's called Kfar Silver. It's in Ashkelon, Israel. For those of you who want to look it up or are nerds, um, super, it's right off the Gaza Strip. Gaza was a little different back then. And I was assigned the task. I was one of the people who had to get up in the morning and go down to the refit, which is where they milk the cows. Um, cow shed, I guess, is English, Hebrew, it's refit. And mm -hmm. so I went down to the refit every morning really early mm -hmm. and it was cold in the winter. And so I had to spray the teats with this warm water to get the cow poop off of the teats yep. before milking them. But on my first day, nobody warned me about you're, you're facing the wrong end of the cow when you're doing this and you need to always be alert for the tail lift. And on day one, I got pooped and peed on by at least three cows. And I was like, so done. So done. And I That's was st <laughs> stuck in that crappy job literally for months. And then they moved me to the chicken coop, which was a whole different ball game. Yeah. But, yeah. So I was, I was shat upon in that job and I did not like it. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people who follow me, follow my podcast, know that I'm into branding and I love brand and I love brand and storytelling mixed together. And I'm just curious, is there a, a, a brand or a jingle from a brand that you can't get out of your head, that's stuck in your head, that you hear and you just go, oh, yeah, that's this product. The cheese choosers always say cheese, please, when they choose the cheese on the cheeseburgers at McDonald's. <laughs> there you go. Trent, where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn about you, your business, Flowster? Uh, what's the best way for, for our audience to find you? So we're going to set up a special page for your audience. It will live at flowster.app flowster slash zombies. Flowster.app slash zombies. Awesome. Flowster.app, and that's app slash zombies. Super cool. I am so grateful that you had a chance to come on today. Um, let me know how things go with your potential relocation back to Canada, eh? Yeah. And... <laughs> Oh yeah, eh? Oh yeah, eh? People in Western, it's funny, people in Western Canada, that's a, oh yeah, we're from up there in Canada, eh? And we'd like to have ourselves there a cold kokanee and get out there and do some fishing on the lake. People in Western Canada do not talk like that. That is no. an Eastern Canadian thing. We that's sound right. like Seattle with a little bit of a, and that's it. Yeah, it's yeah, Seattle with a little bit of a zhuzh to it. Yeah, yeah exactly. and look up Zhuzh if you if you don't know what that means. Trent, thank you so much for coming on the Entree Grow podcast today. And I am so grateful to you uh, for joining us. And uh, I look forward to having another chat with you somewhere down the road. Thank you very much for having me and everyone who took time to listen and hear our funny stories. Thanks for hanging out. Podcast listeners, don't go anywhere. Stick around because Overcast is happening now. That's the stuff that happened after the podcast 
that wasn't officially on the podcast. And remember, if you like this podcast, please do me a favor. Go on to iTunes or whatever platform you're on. Drop a thoughtful review. Tell people how much value you're getting from the Entree Grow podcast. I'd appreciate it. Ta-da, done. Yeah, I like it. Let's see how this works. Um, man, I hope you. Uh, I hope that was comfortable for you. I was literally just trying to navigate this while we were doing it, and I think it worked well. Yeah, no, I think you did a great job. So I'm guessing, would you have like a stream deck on your desk with a bunch of buttons that fire off different things? Or that's it. That? That's oh, my just trackpad. Oh, yeah. okay. And um, I, I, my next, my next purchase is going to be, and I, and I, I'm going to wait till I get my next iMac, something that I can literally just have my fingers on the buttons. But this works really well because I have the video clips, and I'm using the Streamyard overlays. Yeah. So like your name pops up in the overlay rather yep. than using the the theme one because yep. I don't like the way that lays out. But it's um what is that? Get one of those stream deck. And does it communicate directly with uh your Mac, your StreamYard? Uh, so there's software that comes with it. Okay. And then you can map the buttons to whatever app you would like. Okay. So I, I guarantee you there's a StreamYard preset okay. for the Stream Deck and all the stuff that you were using your mouse to do, you would literally would just have these buttons just out of out of frame. Which you, Stream Deck are you using? The uh, Elgato Stream Deck XL? Yeah, I bought the biggest, buy the one with all the buttons. Oh, I'm sorry. you're gonna need more buttons. Yeah. And then, and then I've got the podcast, Roadie Podcaster Pro so I can like, Hey, I know what'll cheer you up. You know, sound effects, ads. Today's episode is brought to you by the outro. Thanks very much. So I can, much like you just did, um, I can do everything, but I don't have to use my mouse. I literally am just using stream deck buttons, sliders on my mixing board, and the bigger buttons for the sound effects. And then, and and you can, your intro video, like anything you want, you can map to that stream deck through the stream deck software. Nice. You can change camera angles. So if I'm running through Ecamm Live, which is what I use, and Ecamm Live, I think, can actually feed into Stream Deck. I've got buttons. I can switch my camera angle. I can go to black and white. I can do all sorts of stuff, and it's all programmed in buttons. I can do split screen. I can, much like you did, where I became the sole shot, and then we're back to split screen. A lot of the same stuff that you're you're doing, I I do the same thing. And the Stream Deck just makes it easy because... I don't have to worry about clicking my mouse around. I can just, the buttons are right there. Right. And that button exit. Now do those buttons. So for example, if I wanted to go full screen with you, could I create a button that makes the guest full screen, puts the thing and then holds it for five seconds and then goes back to split. Yeah. Um, yeah so the way that works in, it's a combination of the stream deck. And in my case, the Ecamm live software, it has what's called uh, scenes. So you can pre-program a scene to whatever attributes you want, what camera angle, light, you know, whatever. And then you can put a timer in the scene nice. to say only run this scene for like five seconds. And then it will switch back to the next, or it'll go to the next scene, which could be a, just a copy of the previous scene. You know, I'm, by the way, I'm going to keep this content on the podcast. This is going to be called the aftercast. Sure. Because this is the conversation that people are going to nerd out about because yeah. I'm nerding out about it. Cause I I've been looking at different toys and tools. So uh, this, this Elgato stream deck, is that um, Mac PC friendly does goes both, both ways. Both. Fantastic. It was originally created for gamers. 
And then, oh. you know, as streaming has become more popular, um, it obviously works very well for that. So when I'm doing like a YouTube video, instead of you know, like having to do a bunch of post-production, mm -hmm. I will set up my scenes beforehand. And on my stream deck, I've got the record button and a pause button. So what I'm able to do is, hey, this is Trent. Welcome to another YouTube video. And then I hit the pause button without looking at it. So now it's not recording. And then I, I set up my button to run my, my intro. And so I'll hit that. And then the whole Bright Ideas intro will happen. Hey, welcome back to the video. And here's what we're going to talk about. And then I'll have a scene where, like, let's say I want to have a picture. I'll click the button and that picture will just show up. So you at the end of the video, there's like no post-production. Right. And that, that was the whole intent with StreamYard. We, you know, we were trying to figure out a way to make the podcast less effort, less yeah. laborious, because yeah. at the end of the day, this is done. And all we've got to do is chop off the beginning and the end. And we've got a clean cast ready to go. Strip the audio. We've got the audio version, right? It's all yeah. it's all one thing. Yep. And and most people don't think about that. It's just every time you touch it, it takes time. Absolutely. So yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page with you in that regard. And we have, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but, or if you know, but we do have our podcast post-production workflow in the Flowster Marketplace. So yeah, if you haven't checked that out yet, you might want to check it out. I do. We're actually starting to work on, on some flows now. And man, I just love like... Flowster is so cool. I don't get in it because that I just, I would get lost. Yeah. But my team is using it and documenting and making the the steps. And it's like, wow, this is so easy because now anyone can go in there and go, I did this. I did this. I did this. Oh, this needs yep. to happen. And it just makes it like, just check the box. And it's better than these. Um, there's so many apps for like checklists, but those checklists they're not, this is a way different level of efficiency and scale because mm -hmm. it's lather, rinse, repeat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's what I love about it. So super cool. I'm thrilled that you made the app and I'm really, truly glad you came on today. So. Well, thank you for having me because every time like we're getting ready to turn our ads on for Flowster, mm -hmm. but right now I cannot tell you the number of like everyone who signs up, they get an email from me that says, how'd you learn about us and heard you on a podcast is the number one source of new leads. And right now we're growing without advertising at 15% a month. Yeah. Podcast, it's it's huge. I mean, that and I, I had that experience from being on um, Entrepreneurs on Fire, John Lee Dumas. Yeah. And being on that podcast was huge. And and being sharing your knowledge in your space is so valuable to to other audiences. Like, you know, it's funny. I I it amazes me that today, and I just had this conversation with uh, a client in Las Vegas. We were talking about something, and I said, well, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, and, da, 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 and she said, who's he? And her husband didn't know who he was. And I'm like, wow. how do people not know in 2020 who Gary Vaynerchuk is? And But then wow. I realized I, I live in a bubble, right? Yeah. I, we live in the same bubble, I think, probably. Oh, and yeah. You know, it amazes me the other day, someone commented on one of our ads. People, we get a lot of comments and shares on our ads and someone commented on one of our ads. Oh my gosh, where's this company been all my life? Like I needed this service two years ago. I'm like, we were here. And even yeah. though people know us, it's amazing how many people don't know us. Oh yeah. And 
you know, so podcasting is great for getting the word out and you get to share your expertise and your knowledge in your space. And obviously um, having you on was awesome because this is going to help the audience that listens to me and follows my company find an app that works for them that helps them grow and scale. Mm -hmm. So it's like the pay yeah. it forward. It is. It's a good deal. I love it. That's why I've been doing it for 10 years. It, it doesn't always, for most of those years, it didn't make me much money, but it allowed me to network like crazy. Yeah. And the networking hope, made me money. And I hope none of my questions threw you. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. We will talk again soon. Um, best of luck and hope you come to the right decision about going to Canada. Yeah. And, uh, That's a big I, one. Yeah, big it one. is. I look forward to our next chat. You too. Thanks so much. Thanks. Podcast listeners, if you got value out of this podcast episode, do me a favor. Let other people know about it. Give it a share. Give it a like. Go to iTunes and leave a review. Let people know how much great value you're getting from it.